Welcome to season two of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. I'm trying to do something a little different in season two rather than just saying welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. I don't know if it's working. So, Sue, just got to be honest with me. If it's not working, let me know. Uh, you All don't right? want to do the we're no, back. Because, <laughs> because that's only one time. I'll do it in I every season. I think that we should, do, we should work on a little harmony and then we should open uh, with a little jingle. I don't know. I don't know. Well, listen, come up with a jingle. Uh, well, I'm hoping you're going to do a little singing today. So we'll see what happens. You can play yeah. guitar. Uh-huh. You, you can play I guitar. Can, play guitar. Can, can you come up with a little like song for us? I might. You know what? Let about me try the week work pastor? on that. Because I, I am a singer-songwriter uh, back in the day. I did write a song for my wife on That's her wedding right, day. That's right, you did. Uh, and uh, my, my, my brother-in-law once still He's makes young, fun I will of me about, <laughs> about how bad it is. <laughs> and then my kids, they're like, it's so bad. So anyway, but you know, maybe that's, that's a good part it's weak pastor so the song will be weak so Wait, what's your wife's yeah. name mijong hijong hijong mijong is michelle oh yeah. that's michelle yeah. that's so funny and then her sister older sister is yujong so i was like <laughs> they're you, the chungjong sisters yeah i was like if you had a fourth a fourth if you had another sister it'd be it'd be mijong no no it'd be it'd be aijong aijong and then there's he, one no, and then there's one yeah so oh, it's one gong right one gong one gong. that is yeah. a hardcore it name. is it is anyways well hey welcome welcome thank you so much for joining us uh we're excited to be here with you uh season two is going on i think getting off to a good start for the most part and we're happy I hope so we're really happy yeah so anyway uh, i do have a question and we have an important topic of course to talk you about. do i do have a real important question but here's the thing audience i th- you know sua it's kind of boring. Um, she's too like what do you I don't want to say holy, but she's I don't think so holy's the right word all the time. Like you know, I don't think she's got an evil bone in her body. Oh, I so have an I evil bone. I don't know if this is gonna really. She's not gonna be able to answer this, but let's let's find out. I'm let's, already concerned about the question. Yeah, you should be concerned because this is a real question. It's a legit question. Okay, um, the last time, maybe not the last time, but share with the audience a time where you just really. Like I don't want to say hate because that might be a strong word for mm. you, but you did really dislike somebody that you kind of wish they got hit by a car, or like they like you wish something bad would happen to them. Maybe they get arrested, uh, something you know, whatever. Like you just think- wish something bad would happen to them. I think everyone can relate who's listening, where we have had such disdain towards somebody at one point in our lives, where we really hoped that we might have even prayed a curse on their life. Had that ever happened to you? <laughs> Okay, first, See, she's no, laughing. No, no, no. first of all, I feel like <laughs> hit by a car is really harsh. It is harsh. Especially because but my, audience, hu- my husband is a about, trauma right? orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. And so I know what that looks like when you get hit by a car. It's not pretty. <laughs> and I feel like I, I cannot possibly wish that upon someone. But maybe like, I don't know, like maybe stub a toe or something. A what? Stub a toe. What's a stub a toe? Stub a toe. Like, like somebody stub, stub your on your toe. toe. Stub your toe. Come on. Sua. You can't wish Sua. a car accident Sua, on someone. So, that is like that that that's so wrong. <laughs> no. That car- that is the most evil thought you no, had no. on somebody. That you wish that somebody would step on their toe. That is come on, audience. <laughs> no, just, what is no, wrong with no, this? No, I just feel like hit by a car is 
You but, know what? Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Because I'm, I'm triggered because I was hit by a car when I was five. What? Do you not know the story? No, what you know what? That tells me that you don't know about the story. Either you have really terrible memory, which we already no, know, never or you don't read the staff bios that were on the website because I talk about it on my staff bio. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, you wrote all the staff bios. I, I don't point. know who's writing them now for you. Yeah. Uh, but when I was five <laughs> and I was living, no, I, I think I was four and I was in Korea. Um, you know, in Korea, like the streets are really like narrow. Um, and I remember we were all playing outside on the street and then a truck started coming and I was almost on one side of the street, but then I saw the truck coming and I freak out, freak out. And I run towards my mom who was on the other side. Mm. So then I got, I remember the trucks like scrape the front of my like calf and then I ran away because I was like, my mom's going to kill me because wow. she always told me go to the closer side. So I'm not even worried about the car hitting me. I'm just like, my mom's going to kill me. And my mom said everybody looked under the truck because they all thought I got run over. Oh, but gosh. I was missing. So I didn't come home till three hours later because wow. I was hiding behind a staircase for three hours. Wow. So I was scared my mom was going to kill me. Wow. And everybody was like, where is she? Because they saw me get, like the truck coming. They saw the kid. They saw the kid disappear under the truck and they never saw me again for three hours. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, my God. So, I mean, I just feel like that's not nice to wish but what, that. what was the injury that you sustained? I got a scraped leg. But you were so small, you just went underneath the truck? No, so I don't actually think I got hit. Remember, I was four okay. years old. Okay. My memory is very wow. not good about the incident. But you still had enough sense to hide from your mom. Yeah, because I was terrified. <laughs> I was more terrified of my mother than of getting run over by a okay. truck. All right. But all right. But going but back to the original question. on somebody? Can you go first? Let yeah, me think about I'm it. I, I got the a answer few. is yes. I, I, I just a, don't. I got a whole list of people, but uh, I got a few. Right? There's this one kid um, when I grew up with in school, and I will not say his name because I know you told me at one point I should stop telling people's name. I, I want to say his full name, okay? Uh, but I won't say his name. But this guy <laughs> looked like the freaking Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk. <laughs> And for whatever reason, he would say terrible, you know, racial slurs, oh, you know, terrible. as I'm walking home from school. But he would call me that, not just to call me that, but he wanted to beat me. He wanted to fight me. But why? So why wanted, you? Because I was because I was Korean. He just wanted to fight oh, me because I was Korean. No, really? no, no, no other reason. He just wanted. This is the kind of this is how messed up of a school I went to. Because when you go like when you go to a blue collar town, hmm. you know, their parents are like, you know, they're not teaching them like you sh- you can't be doing this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Many times they're in a home where their parents are saying terrible things about other races and things like that. So he just wanted to beat me up because I was Korean. I don't want to fight him because the dude had muscles in place I never knew people could get His muscles. Muscles on. have muscles. The guy looked like Lufer. He's a scary looking dude. And I wished he got hit by a car. I was hoping the mm. dude, dude would die. Like somebody would kill him. But I mean, him. he was harassing you. Yeah, I, it was. So I was scared. Like he would do it in school and he'll say, at three o'clock, I'm going to beat you up. You know, I'm going to see you outside. And like the whole day at school, I'm like terrified. I'm, I'm going I'm to die. And he just would do that over and over again. And then here's the one. This is how it stopped. He saw me again walking. Nip. That's what he was saying. Nip, nip ahead. And, and then I'll stop and I'll look at him and he goes, come on, let's fight. And he put his school bag down and everything. And like a lot of times I was just really quiet. And then my friend would say, hey, stop. Come on, man. Leave him alone. He's, you know, he's cool. Leave him alone. And he would just he'd be like, okay. But he wanted to fight me. Mm-hmm. And I just said, hey, I'm not going to fight you. And then he goes, why? Because he would kill you. And he said, because I'm going to lose. <laughs> then he smiled and just kind of smacked me in the arm. He goes, okay. And that's it. And he walked away. 
And then he never bothered me again. So after that's that. all he wanted. I think he just wanted to acknowledge that he can he can beat the crap out of me. That's all. It was and like was a power. It was like a power thing. Yeah, it was like a power thing. And he just was like, okay, that's it. And then I was like, what? Okay. So that's one. That was when I was a kid. Fast forward to seminary. That's understandable. I Fast feel like. Fast forward to seminary. Uh, we had a very com- so pastors can be the most competitive people yes. out there. Yes. And so we had a basketball league in seminary, and we had teams. And so I had a team. Um, and you know, there's, we had probably like, I would say maybe like eight, eight teams that were, you know, and then we do playoffs mm-hmm, and all that. And mm-hmm. a lot of these pastors, some of them play college basketball. I mean, they're good players. Mm-hmm. I had a really good team. We made it to the finals and there was this one guy there and you know, they won last year. So they wanted to Pete. 30 player, 30 player. I wish I could say his name, but I'm not going to do I that. I really feel like it's all like right. a... Like it really reveals your character when you're playing competitive yeah, sports. Yeah. So, you know, I think like because I'm not like the best basketball player, he was really angry that I put together this great team and we were beating them. And so like after like an inbound, right? Like I got, you know, like they, uh, we scored. So I just threw him the ball and, you know, and, and he threw it to a team member and then he came over to me and he just elbowed me right in the chest, went bam, like right in the chest, really hard. But like you weren't even actually playing? No, no I was, I was playing, but I didn't have the ball, but he just came, but, he wanted, he hit me right in the chest because he was angry that he, we're winning. We, uh, what? Yeah. A pastor? So, a pastor, a pastor. Oh my gosh. So. OMG. Uh, this is not back in. As, as when I was in elementary school. So I just said, stop the game. And I went over to him and I just said, what do you think you're doing? And he's like, what? I was like, why? Why did you just hit me like that? He goes, I didn't hit you. I was like, yes, you did. And I mimicked. I did exactly what he did to me. Oh my but gosh. I did it a lot harder. Oh my gosh. A lot harder. And I was like, that's what you did to me. And then he got scared. And he's like, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Because you're played. a giant? Yeah. Then we played. We beat him. And like, I was so angry with him that he like disrespected me like that on the yeah. court. And like his his one of his star players lived in the same building that I same yeah. floor that I lived, and I just went to him and I was like, dude, like what is wrong with your friend? Like why would he do that? And he was like totally like defending him, you know, like because I guess you have to. That's but what a boy. did he say? I you know I, I don't even remember because you know how bad my memory is. But he was just like he didn't say no, it was wrong. I was hoping he would say yeah, you know I'm sorry. He loses his cool sometime. He just didn't say much. He just nodded. He just smiled and he didn't really say anything. He didn't really say anything to defend him. But I just was hoping that he would acknowledge yeah. that it was so wrong. But it felt like he disagreed because I also, then I, you know, I kind of stopped the game mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I did what I did. But I just saw him on campus from time to time. And I didn't wish he got hit by a car. But I just wish like... He maybe stubbed he, the toe. Maybe he, no, maybe he got <laughs> fired from his pastorate position. Okay, you know, really like, think, too. I, I don't know, like, space, like, like, so, like, right, I'm trying problem. not like, to judge. Like, how dare you try to do that to me and, like, embarrass me and stuff. But anyway, but then I got over it because after that incident, he was so nice to me on campus. Whenever he saw me on campus, he goes, hey, Peter, how you doing? But why? Do you do? What was, do you I think? He was afraid of me. That you that were going to beat him up? Yeah, yeah. So he was being no overly, way. I don't know, he was being overly nice to me on campus. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Is you this know? like the weird male dominance culture where so. it's like a hierarchy? Yeah, because he was the alpha, like, you know, because he was the captain and he formed that team. I formed this team. And I don't know, maybe it was like, you know, I stood up to him and then he was afraid. But I mean, he's not like, He's but more, I just don't understand why yeah. then he started in the first place. He was very angry. He was losing. So uh, this guy played competitive basketball all the way through. I didn't even think throughout college. I don't college. understand and the I think world he was just kind of, of upset. 
men well, listen, playing I never recreational played, sports I never like this and getting so angry at a collegiate, uh, even at a high school level. Here I am, and I was able to assemble a team, and we were beating them, and we beat them, and we won the championship. So he was very, yeah, I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. But anyway, but that was probably the last time I actually wanted something really bad to happen. Oh, I had another time. Oh my gosh. Time. What is All happening? Right, so, uh, you, you know, I'm kind of gullible, right? I'm pretty I'm gullible. smiling right now. Yeah. So the last time this happened, ah, man, I, I would say eight, nine years ago. Okay, so eight, recent. Nine, very recent. My kids wanted a dog. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh, I remember this. I was like, okay, you know what? <laughs> oh God, Let's I see remember if I can this. find something. So I went online and I looked <laughs> and I got <laughs> tricked into sending money via Western Union. Oh God. I think it was like $350 to get oh a Maltese. And this Maltese was quote unquote in Africa with a missionary, but there was so much dust in the air. It was too dry for the Maltese to survive. Maltese has been sick. So he was like, I will sell it to you. And it'll be about, he's like, listen, I'll give it to you, but it's going to cost about $350. So you have no business getting a Maltese. I know. So I ended up doing that. I showed the pictures to my kids. Were they so so, excited? Oh, they were so happy. Oh, no. And then after I sent the money, like the dude went radio silent and I kept, emailing i'm like what's going on what's going on what's going on i was like he's like oh he's like listen i didn't get the money you're gonna have to send me more and then i realized oh it's a it's a scam it's a total scam and so i mean i know i shouldn't do this but (laughs) this is me did you put a hex on them i uh i i prayed a curse over him and i wrote it on email and i sent it to him (laughs) okay isn't there something am i confusing is there something in the bible about how if you send a curse but they don't deserve it it goes back to no, or is that only the blessings? They hurt my kids. <laughs> they hurt my kids. So I did pray a curse. What on kind him. of curse do you need to? Can you reveal you know, this or I don't no? Remember. It's not appropriate. No, nothing like they would die, but I just, I, I just, I prayed a curse upon him. I prayed a curse upon his children. I prayed a curse oh upon his whole gosh. family. Oh my Yeah, this I is did. like the scene in Mulan when and they're then, like, and then, and then, disgrace you, on you, you and your did? cow. You know he, he replied. He's responding. He goes, "How could you call yourself a pastor?" And I said, uh, "You hurt my family." You took money away. You hurt my kids are crying upstairs. I have prayed a curse over your life. Since then, I realized that was wrong. So I had to repent of it. But listen, this guy is doing this to so many people, hurting people, taking their money like this. I know, but I pray a curse on But on his children? Why his his children? Well, I don't know if he has kids, but I just said if he's got kids. I I wrote it all out. An elaborate email. So I had to do something. Justice had to be served. Did that? So why are you placing a curse on his I don't children? Know. I, listen, I had to, I had to hurt him the way he hurt my kids. So I just, I felt that. So that so, was the so eye for time. an eye, basically. Eye for an eye. I think that's what Jesus said. So eye for an eye. <laughs> but I was so hurt, so broke. So that's my dark side, folks. Okay. Now listen, you're not even a pastor. What about you? Have you ever had a moment like that? You see, she does it. I'm dying. I knew the story about you getting scammed, but I don't remember the part about you writing out an elaborate hex slash curse on their entire family of, all of them. and generations to come. I was like, all of them. Yeah, all of them. I'm thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. The problem is, here's my problem. You know why she's thinking about it? Because she has nobody. <laughs> nobody she's ever wished ill on. You have nobody. You, I, you know what provokes me? Why I don't like people like you? It's like, 
Why are you just so good-hearted in no, every no. way? No, no, it's not. It's not because I'm maybe you've lived your life in no. such a way where nobody has ever hurt you like that. So here's my thing. I think here's my explanation. Because <laughs> you know, I really don't want to come off like an a-hole here. Like I feel like sometimes, like you no, know, you're not an a-hole. No, you're just like, like a saint. That's no, the because maybe like people are gonna be like, oh, she's an imposter. This is like an imposter. <laughs> no. Like she won't tell us. No, no, no. And the thing is, I really it's want so to. You, I really so want to have put a curse on someone. <laughs> I can share it in this time. I know. Um, it's like, you know, somebody after the first season aired, so, some of my friends were like, I can't believe when Pastor Peter asked you if you don't have a spiritual, like if you don't have a lust problem, you were like, I don't have one. Like, wow. Like, how could you just say you don't have one? That's right. Because women struggle with lust too, just like men. So that's why I don't want it to be doing that again and being like, no, I just never do something. I'm so holy. Like, that's not, I'm really, but I don't want to lie. So I'm trying to, but you know what? Here is my, ex, here's okay, my defense. Okay. Here's let my me, defense. Let me hear you. Let me hear. Do you have I, one though? You don't even have yeah, one, do I'm, you? I'm still thinking about it. Oh, I don't think, I think the reason why is not so much that maybe, so first of all, I was never, other than those two girls that were really mean to uh -huh. me, have you? Did um, you want to curse them or like do something? No, no. Oh my god! But I was really young. It I was like so seven or eight. I was young, um, and no, I want no, no, no. I want this guy to get hit by a car. But I feel like <laughs> I've never been bullied. Um, I think it's because I don't notice it when they're doing it at the time. So some there's been a lot of times when people have been kind of mean to me. But then I don't notice it until like 15 years mm. later when I look back on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think they were trying to be mean to me and I didn't know at the time because I just don't register things. Like I'll give you an example. It doesn't affect you. So I'll give you an example of like how this played out. Like I saw it as a third person. Okay. So my daughter, who is 10 at this time. She was mean when to you? She was, no, when she was eight years old, okay. she was at, a, no, she was... She was seven, seven years old. She was at a hip hop class in our neighborhood. Look at her. And we live in like, we live in like a predominantly white neighborhood, yeah. right? We're in Ohio. And so she goes to this hip hop class and apparently one day she comes home, like I pick her up and she goes, well, I didn't have a good day because this one girl, Abby, names have been changed for the privacy of those involved. Um, so this girl, Abby, <laughs> was like, nobody sit next to Lila because she's Korean and we don't like the Koreans. Oh, so the mama bear come out or no? No. So, <laughs> so anyway, so that's what she said to me. And yeah. I was pretty upset because yeah. I don't, nobody yeah. wants their daughter to feel yeah. something like that. But granted, they're seven years old. So it's like, what am I going to do? Go beat up a seven-year-old? So I'm just like, you know what? That's terrible, Lila. We had a little talk about it and how that's not okay, blah, blah, blah. So the next week, it's, I'm like dreading her going to hip hop because yeah. I'm like, how is she going to respond to this? Like, she's going to, you know, they're going to be mean to her again. And it's just awkward. Yeah. So we're, we're pulling into the parking lot and then I see the girl. Like the girl Abby. Do you, and see, I'm her like, Do you see her mom or no, dad? No, but was, she was right. just walking out of the car into the classroom. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there she is. So I'm like looking at Lila because I'm like, how is she going to respond? Because this girl was so mean to her. Lila's like, hey, Abby, how are you? <laughs> Killer with kindness. <laughs> no, she Killer forgot. I think she forgot. Oh, she's like her mom. She's oh like my me. Like, she completely, she's like her mom. She completely forgot about it. And like... I was like, but that must be you then. That's you. But I think so. I think I had a real witness of like what it's like to watch me live life because oh you. I just Lord. it doesn't register, and I'm sure in 15 years she's gonna be like, oh my gosh, that was a racist encounter. But at the time, like she just kind of like, eh. You know, you know, maybe maybe it's you know I don't want to psychoanalyze this too much. <laughs> maybe it's just because you've never really hated anyone. You know, I've hated a lot of people in my life. And I think as a result of that, that's why I can get angry and upset. I mean, I hate well, my I hated my father-in-law when he was really mean to me. 
Uh, I guess I, I mean, guess that substitute. Like I was pretty, I was pretty oh, upset. So did you with want them. any ill to happen to him? I did not. I did not or, like or something. So bad. I wasn't cursing him, but I have seriously contemplated breaking up with John just to have revenge on him. Okay. Because I because I was like that. I was like what you I don't like think, that. I, I was like that. you don't I'll think I'm that. good enough for you. Do you know your son can't do crap without me because he's obsessed with me? Whoa. I was like, I'm going to break up with your son and he will come crying to you and I will make sure you know it's because of you. Wow. So I would think about these things at nighttime. Okay. Um, I have a lot of respect for you now. Okay, you, I finally, you found, we found somebody but that remember, you actually But remember, this happened for like a year and a half. Uh-huh. So it took a year and a half of somebody kind of not being nice to me for me to finally register that this person doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> So it has to be But now really, he loves you. So yeah. now I, I love him yeah. and he loves me and we have a great relationship. And I think it was just not a good starting off. Okay. But now it's evolved into something much better. But at that time, I really, I think if you ask me who have you ever maintained really negative, yeah. strong feelings for for a long yeah. time, I would say it has to be my father-in-law. He's the only one. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least there's somebody. You know what? It, it validates like yeah I, actually I feel a lot better you made me feel but I would peace. never curse on them and it's not because I'm a no, holy not, person not it's because it. I'm so worried it's gonna come back to me yeah that's true like, I, I'm I so scared you know what I didn't even think that far I just you know I felt like at that time when that dude ripped my, took my money my kids were crying upstairs so I was like I'm sorry we got scammed I was like justice needs to be served gosh I would justice pay needs to be served I would pay a hefty amount of money just to read that email that you wrote this person like I'm so curious what kind of oh. elaborate curse you wrote oh, him oh I wrote a curse on everyone in his like family. I hope so you he, have leprosy you know what I might even have it if I do a search I mean because Gmail is great right so I, if I'm we sure get I a thousand it. subscribers will you reveal if I get a thousand <laughs> subscribers I'll have Sua find that email on my Gmail oh my gosh. and then Sua will read it not me Sua will read it <laughs> if we have a thousand listeners there we go bam I like that <laughs> I just <laughs> It's so. Sometimes I'm like, you're making this up. There's no, no way not, this I'm, is real. Listen, I wish, I wish I was making some of this stuff up, but I'm just, you know, I'm not proud of it. But I think it's kind of fun to also, you know, get a little, in, get a little inside uh, look into our dark world because that's not like how we're governed by our lives. But to kind of share a little bit of it, it can be a little fun and stuff like that. If we still struggle with it today, then I think that would be tough. Kind of a low blow below below the belt. Like if you to can't ask questions let it like go. that. Yeah, like if I if I still had people right now that I wish bad things would happen to, you know, I think. I would, you know, I would, uh, you know, I, 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 would, I might struggle with a question like that. But the fact that, you know, I don't, I try, I try my best to be as positive as I can. Um, it's important. But I do know, though, like even wanting like bad things to happen to people who've hurt you. I think that's a process of forgiveness. And like, you know, we do like a 30 day forgiveness challenge um, at Metro and we encourage people to pray for 30 days a blessing upon that person. Mm-hmm. And I think the first like several days, it'll really be like we're praying a curse on them. Like just, you know, like God let that person sprain their ankle when they play base basketball <laughs> so they understand how much pain they've caused mm-hmm. me and that kind of stuff. But then at the end, as you keep praying, trying to pray a blessing, it really becomes an authentic blessing. Like, you know, God, would you please bless this person's relationship with their wife, with their kids? Mm-hmm. You know, I pray they'll get a promotion at, jo- at their job. Pray they'll know the depths of your love for them and stuff. Then you really learn how to forgive. But I do think in the beginning, even just being angry and upset and maybe even wanting something bad to happen, that's the forgiveness process, you know, um, as long as you can you can steer it in the right direction. So, But anyway, I think it's kind of nice to get a little 
little inside of our little dark little world. And I mean, I'm trying to let people so see your dark little world, but you I don't have do. a dark little world. I do have a dark little world. It's just that sometimes I forget and I can't remember well, the dark little world. This bull- no, 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 no. I mean, your father-in-law, that's, that's legit, but that's not, you know, I, I was hoping there would be some, some other juicy stuff, but yeah, you're just a, maybe you're just I'll a good, remember. you're just a good person in maybe general. Maybe I'll remember so. I don't know. in the middle know. of the podcast. If I remember yeah. while recording this episode, okay. I will interject and do it. So, so, Sua, we have a really good topic to talk about today what are we going to talk about money 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 can you, money. Harmon- can you harmonize can no. you get- <laughs> All right. I, money 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 know, i was trying to convince her for the long time if she, if she can just sing that song and she's like i don't know if i could do it i don't know if i could do it but clearly mm. you have embraced it i've you, been you, practicing you, in my you, head you were you grabbed yeah. that microphone yeah. you're singing it maybe i'll go try out for praise team <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Like I said, you could do a lot of things, but maybe singing is not one of them. I don't know. We'll have to see. I have a beautiful voice. You How have a dare really, you? You have a really nice speaking voice, you? but I've never heard you sing. So I would have to. I'm not to, a great singer. I have to I'm hear not you a great sing. singer. No, 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 no. You know what? I have heard you sing. We've done staff karaoke nights, but it was, I guess it wasn't memorable, memorable enough for me what to did know. You sing? What do you sing? What is your karaoke? <laughs> my go to? Go to. Oh, my God. Lady in Red. Lady and R- yeah. that's a hard song to sing. Very hard song, but if it's in G, I can rip it. <laughs> I can rip. I can hit all those high notes. I can falsetto that thing. I could do it. Lady in Red's my song. Wow, yeah, that's a yeah. classic. That's how I got. I think that's how I got Jenny. Okay, we're gonna have to confirm it. that with her when she's ever on. <laughs> when if she's ever on our no, no, no. podcast, so, you know we'll I ask think, her. I, I impressed her because I couldn't read Korean Lady at all. And and then I learned how to read Korean in college. I brought a book and I learned because I wanted mm. to sing Korean songs. Because she took me, I never did karaoke. She took me to karaokeing and she would sing all these Korean songs. And I'm like, okay, in order for her to like me, I got to figure out how to sing Korean songs. So I taught myself how to read Korean. And it's not great. I can't read well. But enough when I buy the CDs, I can look at the lyrics and I can yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah. And so my go-to Korean song is a group by the, called Is the it JYP? No, no. The, <laughs> You're terrible. You've got the look going. Listen, so you gotta, I don't want to be JYP. Do you know, by the way, there's after that episode air where we talked about how you look like, well, you talked about how look you like look JYP. like JYP. There was people that messaged me and they were like, I never thought that, but now I can't unsee it. <laughs> Metro people who have said that, would you please <laughs> stop? You've please sabotaged stop. yourself. JYP. And you know who it is? It's my wife's fault. My wife's fault. Anyway. Anyway, what is it? It wasn't JYP. The classic? The classic. Ma Ba Essa. Ma Ba I'm pretty sure it's not Babo Besong. Babo Besong. Babo Besong. It's the Magic Castle. Yeah. That's, that's what it, it means. Magic Castle. I, I, I could sing the heck out of that song. Is that the one that goes, Me desu in There you go. Yeah, okay. That's right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> so anyway, but no, but I remember we did yeah. staff karaoke and I remember you singing, but- I don't remember what I sang. But- It was probably like Britney Spears. I don't remember if you sang- good or not so it's maybe like a britney spears normal. probably yeah. average if it was really yeah. bad you would remember if you were really bad if you're really good i was like tone deaf yeah but I, I you know what you i just want to put a little psa <laughs> since it's the topic has come up please ain't nobody want to listen to your good adele vocals okay we go to karaoke to listen to people mess up yeah and sing off key okay, okay and well, listen to your voice crack that's right we don't right. want to sit that's there right. listening to you belt out these you like what I don't mind. Major songs. I actually love listening to people who can rip it. I'm like, oh, wow. They're excellent. Like, I just love it. So I don't mind listening it's to it. It's much this. more entertaining when people mess up. Like, the best is when you go to karaoke with men who are going through puberty. <laughs> like, boys who are going through puberty. And they just <laughs> cannot hit the notes. That's, and their yeah. voice keep cracking. And 
It's you amazing. Know, you know, uh, my wife, when she goes to karaoke, oh my God. She doesn't just sing, but she dances while she sings. And she's an amazing dancer. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like, holy cow. Like, you know, she's usually reserved, mm. but you put a mic in front of her and she's a whole different person. She, and she just dances. We were at somebody's house and they had a karaoke. We're in the basement. She doesn't even know them that well. The song came out. And I'm just like, because we, we haven't been in karaoke in a long time. I'm just like, how do you just get up there and start <laughs> dancing like that? She's like doing 360 twirls. The, the rhythm's like got her. She can't. Like, what is going on? She like, can't all fight of the a rhythm. She's having like the time of her life. So anyway, yeah. So She did confess to me yesterday that she had dreamed of being like in a girl group. She, she You know what? I really believe she could have because she's such a good dancer. Mm-hmm. And if she, you know, like practicing a little bit, she would kill it. But, she would, if but she, she's really short. If she went on those like talk shows though, she would not be able to be the one who is the spokesperson for the group. No, she can. She can. Because she, she, she says she doesn't want to talk in yeah. public. No, she's good. She's good. Trust me. I've seen her talk in public. She's good. I can't. We When we go out and stuff and she meets people, she always says that. But when she talks to people, I'm like, these are people you just met. You can't stop talking she to them. She would definitely have yeah. been definitely one of the main vocals with the face. Because she speaks English too. You got to speak yeah. English. But she, well, her dancing is really good. You got to see her dance. Oh, so, so you think like she would have no been problem. the main dance, dancer? I th- I think she, no, she could have sing, but she, I think she would be, yeah. She, she would be uh, the dancer. She's we'll a see. really good dancer. We'll see. Maybe it's still, it's not too late. All right, well, we got to talk about money because we're like, oh, we're like yes, we're, that's we've right. been just procrastinating that's right. like Sorry. crazy. So let's talk about money, all right? So Sua, you have a lot of it nowadays, right? Okay, You're, what's a lot though? Joking. What's a lot? I have a lot. On, yeah. right, I so, have okay. a lot more so, than Sua, I did when I was working at Sua, Metro. Sua was making peanuts at Metro. Her husband was a student at med school. Like, I mean, you guys were able to multiply. It's like the well, the fish and the you know <laughs> and the bread. I mean, you no, guys were able I, to... no, no, no. So you know what? I want to just be very clear and say I was not getting paid peanuts at Metro. Oh, I mean, you were getting paid. Yeah, it was a lot less than what you were getting paid at Columbia. Yeah, but I feel like. Um, it's all relative. And I don't think Metro is like poaching their employees by paying That's them true. like minimum wage yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it was like a pretty, and I'm a social worker. So it's not like my That's expectation true. of salaries That's are true. very high anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I do have a lot more now because yeah. my husband is finally done with training. Um, surgeon, orthopedic surgeon, making yeah, good I mean, money. I mean, it's all relative. I so, think it's all relative. So I, I guess, I guess so. So let's, let's talk about money because I think like we grew up and everyone, like living in this world, pretty much, they, we all have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. Like we want money. Mm-hmm. And because we understand with a lot of money or with comfortable money, you, there's a lot of less problems. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more access mm-hmm. you can have and all that stuff. And money is power, right? Money yes. is power uh, and things like that. And so like even our parents, they loved Jesus and all that stuff when we were growing up, but they really wanted us to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I would say as much as they would rather have us make more money than really follow Jesus Christ. Like literally, if, they, if you think about all the stuff they put us in, the money they invested in us, they didn't invest in our spirituality. They invested in us so that we can become successful and mm-hmm. make a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? So when you think about it in action, um, it really is very, very lopsided. The American dream, like uh, all of those things that come in, but there's also an amazing danger to money, right? Because, you know, like I think people think the more money you have, yeah, life is easier, but we think money will lead to happiness. And it's not, because Rockefeller said the most miserable people in the world are the ones who have money, all the money in the world, and they have nothing else but, but that. But don't you think we need to disclaim that by saying that money does buy you happiness to a certain degree because i don't know very many people who really are in poverty who are genuinely happy so i feel like you do have to disclaim that by saying yes you're right money doesn't buy you happiness but not having money will certainly 
many cases make you unhappy. Well, like if you're hungry and cold yeah. oh, poverty, and not have your poverty, basic like needs po- met. Abject poverty. Yeah, like yeah, I feel, yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, I think to some degree, money does buy you a certain level of comfort yep. and a lack of it is unhappy, you know, is unhappiness. So, but I mean, do I think that you, all you need is money to be happy? Then no. Yeah. yeah. Right? I. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I, I think, you know, I didn't grow up in abject poverty, but I grew up in poverty and, you know, and house was a little bit, you know, definitely difficult disarray and stuff. But I don't know, as, as I've been seeing, like, because I go to Africa every mm-hmm, year before mm-hmm. the pandemic, these people have nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's abject poverty, yeah. but they have such joy in life. But I would push back on that okay. because I would say it's... Once again, I think it's relative. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that it's okay that people in these parts of Africa live in poverty. Yeah. But I think if the, everybody, like, for example, my mom tells me stories about living in post-World War, like mm. post-Korean War Korea. She was very happy. But people were really, really poor. There were times when they wouldn't have any rice. Right, so they right, would have to go right, next door and borrow, right, right. like, a cup of yep. rice. And I don't think she said she was ever unhappy. Yeah. But I think part of that was because, like, Everyone around you also lived that poor. way. Yep. So there wasn't like this sense of I am lacking in something that my next door neighbor yeah. has. Whereas I think when you talk about even your own story of um, growing up and not getting certain types of clothing items or shoes or whatever that other people had, it is very difficult when you have a direct comparison yep. um, with people that are in your context that ha- you feel like have so much yeah. more than you do. Yeah. There is a certain like breeding ground for unhappiness there, you don't think? Yeah, no, definitely I do. Uh, I, I think I think it, it it becomes more unhappy when you keep comparing yourself to mm-hmm, other people, mm-hmm. and so I think you know comparison, uh, compare comparing yourself constantly is I think it's one of the worst things you can do because mm-hmm. somebody will always be richer, somebody right, will always be right. more prettier, somebody will right. always be smarter. Yeah, that's true. Than you, and so I think that's that's tough. But I think I would say this: I I, I don't believe money can buy happiness. I really don't because. Uh, I do think if money is not your God, mm-hmm. it can buy you happiness. Mm-hmm. Because then, you know, it's like, okay, but but if money is the only thing you live for, I think I think your life will be absolutely miserable. Do you think that, and I will say, and like once again, I don't want to go on this theme of like, I'm so, so great and like I've never struggled with these things. But given that out of all the choices of career that I could have had, I ended up choosing a career in social work. Clearly my career decision was not based on financial Absolutely stability because yep. um, you were a business major but you I hated was a it. business major and i don't know why i did this to myself but um <laughs> i did and i i think though some of that stems from the fact that in my formative years of my life i did not grow up in poverty like i mm. never had to worry about having yeah. less than my neighbor yeah. i never had to worry yeah. about having non-designer shoes no. like in fact i think people used to say things to me like well you you have like really like one of my friends was supposed to give me her hand-me-down because she was like an older girl mm-hmm. in my church and she said well i'm not giving it to you because you're rich mm. i was not rich but i think maybe I, we were a little bit above like the standard at the time and so i never felt like i was lacking or i never yeah. had this inferiority yeah. complex yeah. compared to others i think part of that part of why i was able to have the privilege of choosing a job without necessarily worrying about financial security was because i didn't grow up not constantly having. worrying right. Right. about money so yep. there is that um, wait, hold on. Were you going to say something? No, no. I think like so. It's so interesting because you know, like I think there's so you know, essentially when you said you know we didn't we weren't like rich, rich, you know. But so for me, like my family, we always considered a family that was rich. All my parents' friends, uh, they were a lot more well to do than we were. But the the litmus test we use is this: if you have enough money to buy a house, 
you got money. You know, because for us, we like never to own did. your house. Yeah, if you have enough money to own your own house, because for us, we rented. We, like my parents still never owned a mm-hmm. home, and we rented our whole lives because we just didn't have right. money to buy a house. So we always felt like that was it. If you had enough money to buy a house, you've made it in in in, in this country. And uh, all my parents' friends had homes, mm. and you know they always felt in fear because we lived in these little apartment complexes and stuff like that, these rundown apartments and stuff. But they had homes, uh, you know, and so like we would always like I would always think, well, they got money, they definitely got money because they they live in this nice right, house, right. you know, and stuff like that. And I, there was something about the house that was really important to us, realizing, well. Yeah, like it's so great to have a house. You don't have to worry about your downstairs neighbor, you know, things like that. But anyway, yeah. But I, I, I will say that, you know, yes, it, it's, it's more convenient. It can be more convenient. But I think there's also a lot of burden um, when you're just living for money. And I've seen that over the years of folks at our church, folks who have an insane amount of net worth. And I think there's a, there's a real deep sense like when you have that kind of money, it's almost impossible for you to have honest relationships with people. What do you mean by that? I just think because I think it's just from my experience with people who are incredibly wealthy, um, I think there's a paranoia, and, and it's, on, it's, it's, it's valid that you really think people just want to be your friends because they want your money. Hmm. And so because of that, you can't really be in these intimate relationships because you're guarded, you're afraid that they're going to try to take your money or say, hey, can you invest in this thing for me? And, and I notice this when, when I've connected with some hmm. folks at our church who have just incredible net worth. We're talking like, you know, it's more than they make million, millions of dollars a year. We're talking it's in like a different category. Right, right. Closer like, to Oprah than us. Like crazy money. Yeah, yeah. Like Oprah money. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, when you get to that level, you think their lives are so... What I've realized is that it's a miserable life. It's mm-hmm. a miserable life because I think at some point they have found so much hope in their finances. And then it's what... Because when you have that kind of money, people literally worship you. They yeah. treat you as a yeah. demigod. Yeah. And listen, like... No matter what, even me, if I had that kind of money, it would corrupt me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was going to say, is it like the yeah, Lord of like the, the Rings? Rings? Like humans, like only hobbits can handle it. And they even get corrupted. No, they need, he needs Samwise to yeah, help him. Yeah, Samwise is the only one who can yeah. handle it because Frodo also Started losing his mind at the end, yeah. So it takes, uh, it, it, it really, I've not met somebody who has that kind of money, that kind of status, and they're just unscathed by everything and they're li- able to live a happy life. Their home life is settled. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the home lives are quite dysfunctional and things like that it's because you know like that's why jesus talks more about money than anything else in the bible and the gospels and money is not bad money is absolutely neutral it's the love of money that's bad that's evil because if you love money then you worship it and you don't worship god and that's i think the delineation it's like i think it's okay to have money and and as a christian you should not like want to be poor and things like that like it's okay to have money but if you love money then you don't love god so it makes it very clear I mean, I just to go in with what you're saying, I think um, my my boyfriend, Tim Keller, <laughs> oh. once said, he said something about um, a, a idolatry. And he said that idolatry is when you make, when you take something that's good yep. and making make it the ultimate thing. Yep. So yep. it's a good thing, but you're making yep. it the ultimate that's thing. Right. And that's, that's kind right. of, I think how money, when you spend money, it's like money is a good thing. It's yeah. not a bad thing. Nope. But when you make it the ultimate thing that yeah. drives everything yeah. in your life, yeah. then it becomes an idol, yeah. right? Yeah. But I did, you know, want to want to say though, like, what do you think it is about money that is so seductive? Because money is so seductive. And even people who start off saying, oh, like I would never... Like, I'm not somebody who's, like, money hungry. Like, I'm just not. You've seen plenty of those people then start making money. Like, isn't there some kind of... There's a rap song, definitely, that says something along the lines of, 
because um, you, you see a lot of real life mm-hmm. lessons in rap music mm-hmm. and there was definitely something about how those who say that money wouldn't change me are the ones who don't have it yeah so why do you think it has this power because it's power all human beings long for mm-hmm. power we're starving for power and we want power because power gives us freedom to do what we want to do right mm-hmm. without that without money like no matter how much i want to buy a bentley I have no power to buy it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can, money is not only that kind of power. People, you know, like they can, they worship you, they revere you um, in many ways because you make that kind of money. It gives ultimate respect. Mm-hmm. In our society that loves money, you respect the ones who are very wealthy and you, you struggle to respect the ones who aren't, you know, and stuff. And so I think we love success in our country as well. And I just think at the end of the day, like it's, it's just so easy to be seduced by it because of all the stuff that, all the things that our brokenness, our broken desire, our sinful nature, sort of it feeds off our sinful nature. So I have a question for you because you're a pastor, obviously. You've, you know, and you're a pastor who's been pastoring an actual community for yes. a long time. So you've seen a lot of counseling yep. and you've seen people go through like life. So in the Bible, as you said, they talk about the danger of l- the love of money yep. a lot, a lot yep. more than a lot of like most other sins yeah. that are mentioned. So why do you think there's such a fixation on certain types of sins that Christian people like attack all the time? I don't, I very rarely like, sex. Yeah. Is, like premarital sex yeah. or like being gay or yeah. whatever it may be, yeah. like, you know, th- that they have decided are like the really evil sins. Yeah. I very rarely hear a pastor talk about the evils of the love of money. Very rarely. So why? If it's in the Bible a yeah. lot more, then why do you think there's this discrepancy between the yeah. emphasis that people place on certain types of sins and not the sin of love of money? Why is it that we shy away from that or it's not spoken about? You know, I think I think a couple things. I think because, um, uh, if, if I'm going to just be very honest, I think it's we don't want to offend our congregants hmm. in some ways. You know, I think pastors, they, they, they want to be careful because they're like, oh, we don't want to piss off a rich person, right. you know, or something like that, and especially if somebody's giving a lot to mm-hmm. our church. We don't want to get them upset. Yeah. So I think that, and I just don't, I think, you know, this is, I mean, I know there's a lot of pastors now that are very wealthy, but I just think pastors, we just don't know, like, it's hard for us to preach on something that we don't know much about. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have enough money. Like, you know, like, I'm still thinking, like, how am I going to pay for my kids' tuition? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like so Jenny and I, we, we would always say, I, like, we don't want to be, like, rich, rich, but we would just love to have enough money where we don't have to worry about how are we going to pay for our kids' college education. Because right. if we can do that, then right. we'll be... I think we'll just have a lot less stress and just, you know, worries, you know, but I, but I tell her like, and, and, and we see this, but like God is just providing out of the blue mm-hmm. for us. And I'm just like, it's kind of great to get a front row seat. It's an adventure yeah. to see what God's going to do and how we're going to get money, you know, from this and stuff like that. And I have crazy stories about like just how we're able to pay for this semester coming up because we have two kids now in college and just God just provides mm-hmm. in crazy ways. So, you know, so I think part of it is that we don't really know how to talk about it because we don't, we've never really experienced it. Uh, we don't have a lot of money, so we don't fully, it's, it's sort of something that we are not very familiar with. The other things that I think we're afraid to maybe Ang- get anger some people um and the third maybe maybe the pastors really love money too hmm. and they want a lot of it too and they're just not able to deal with it in a healthy way as well so i mean i don't know i, I think all of us you know pastors as well we-, we struggle with the love of money we really do it's not like we you know we're fine and that's a sin that we don't commit but i think it's harder to preach on something in which you struggle with than when you don't if you're a pastor and you don't struggle with uh, with being gay 
it's mm-hmm. kind of easy to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, you know, if you're a pastor and you never had premarital sex, it's kind of easy to talk about that. But if you're a pastor and, you know, you struggle with, you know, let's say adultery or something like that, it's hard to get up there and say, you better not commit adultery because you've already done it, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, but I, I think that might be some of the reason. But yeah, but churches, they don't spend enough time in talking about money. Um, also, I think also that there's a natural response to the congregants where, I mean, that there's study, empirical data on this, where a lot of people who go to church, they feel like all the church does is talk about money. Like how they want your money? Yeah, how like you yeah. got to give, give, yeah. give, give, yeah. give. And there's just this, there's this audience fatigue yeah. and they don't want to be so like I think some like back in the day with with Willow Creek and Saddleback they really were very intentional about like not really trying to talk much about money because uh, sometimes churches talk a lot about money like especially immigrant churches that's all we did like our parents gave an insane well, amount I was of just going to say it's very ironic how we talk about how you talked about how our parents as generation wanted us to pursue paths that guaranteed money rather than you know even following jesus yeah but simultaneously in a very weird twist of irony they also gave significantly more of their percentage of their wages than than we do in our generation so what was that all about you know it's interesting it really is you know uh, know, how does that well I, i think in some ways like immigrants they they know, like, I think inherently they know, and I think the churches have done a good job teaching them. It's, it's part of a Christian duty. Giving to the church is a discipleship issue, and I think people think they don't connect that to their faith. If you're not giving, if you're not tithing, that's a discipleship issue. That's, there is something that is unhealthy with your relationship with God, right? It's very clear. I think you need to go a little bit further yeah. on that, though, because there would be people who might say, okay, but like, why does it have to be so strict? Like, why does it have to be like so regimented well, the, and so the, the, unbudging the, about this? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, tithing is the, is the basement. It's not the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Like a lot of Christians think today, well, that's the max. No, it's not. That's the bottom. That's mm-hmm. where you start. Mm-hmm. And if you have this mentality that God owns 100% of your paychecks, like 100% is his. And he's saying, give 10% of it to the church. And, and to things of God, then that's, I mean, it's amazing. 90% you get to keep and he takes 10, even though he's provided you mm-hmm, with everything. Mm-hmm. It's that mentality, this is not mine, this is yours, God. But I think also the reason why tithing is so important for Christians today is that it's the only antidote for greed. Like really it is. And, and when you can be generous, like the greatest antidote to greed is generosity. Mm-hmm. When you can really be generous with your money and you're not always just using it for yourself, um, you are able to live a life where it's much happier. Like, you know, like there's statistical evidence that's saying most marriages end in divorce because it's about money. It's about money. Yeah, right? I've heard that. And, and you know, one of the things I said early on with my wife, my wife and I, we've worked so hard in our relationship. We still work hard. There are things we go through ups and downs and all that stuff. But one of the reasons why I'm grateful, even though I was such a broken person when I started ministry here at Metro, was that early on, we made a decision because of Rick Warren, we, you know, he, he challenged, we got together for like this little meeting with about 15, 20 pastors and he challenged all of us to do the tithe challenge. And the tithe challenge was he encouraged us to increase our tithe by 1% every single year. Mm -hmm. And so I brought it over to my wife. I shared with her and she said, okay, we'll do it. And we've been, we've been doing that so faithfully for probably about 12 years, you know, until my first daughter went to college and I had to 
you know, because I'm a little bit of a legalist and I was like, oh, should I just keep doing it? Because we we're giving about 22, mm -hmm. 23% of our income, you know, to the to church. And so it was getting really hard. And, I, you know, I realized it's about grace giving. But when we did that, like we never fought about money. Mm. And not that we had a lot of it, but then we never really had to really worry also about like, oh, money. And it's like we were giving so much of our income away, but yet our relationship was so healthy and vibrant because we didn't have any greed. And, uh, and so I think that's really important. So I, I think what we forget is that the reason why it's a discipleship issue is because greed is such a real thing that we have right. to acknowledge, particularly living in a country like this today where everything is about more, 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 more. One of the best ways in how you protect yourself from that is generosity and giving. And I would even say as far as not giving to other organizations, but giving to your church, right? Because, so can you, okay, yeah. can you talk about that? Because I have heard different things from different people. I know Metro, or at least your stance on tithing was it should go to the home church and that's the biblical yeah. way to do it. Yeah. But I have also heard from people who say it doesn't always have to go to the church. It can go to an organization that you support. Right. And then I've heard people say, no, the 10% should go to the church, but anything above you can yes. give to other things. Like what, that's what, what I is your... That is my position. My position is 10% because biblically speaking, it always goes to the temple, the synagogue, the place where you're learning. Mm -hmm. um, tithes, in the Old Testament was really for the 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 you know the the rabbis the you know the high priests and stuff like that and then to continue to function the temple and that was important so that was part of it so it's where you're getting your teaching and things like that and that's congruent even with the New Testament and things like that and so I don't agree if people are are not giving ten percent of whatever they're making to the church and they're taking that ten percent and maybe they're giving five percent to mm -hmm. the church and five percent to World else. Vision uh, you know just because give on top we always right. encourage give like on top 10% to, to the church and in addition give to world vision yeah. like it's yeah. great to give to more because the more you give the better your life will be and you won't struggle with greed the problem with life today and, and the reason why things happen so much you know like the squid games mm -hmm. and all that stuff it's greed. People. Wait, hold on. What do you mean the Squid Game? I mean, you, you see the when you watch Squid Game. I couldn't get past episode two. <laughs> are you serious? It was so see, this, It was so listen, violent and depressing. I couldn't do it. This is what depresses me about you. Sometimes you're too nice. No, it was so no because. It was uh, so you have to no watch because it. I get it shows so ability of humanity. But I get so attached to the characters, yeah. and I could already tell where this was going. Sua, Sua, I can't snap out you of it. it. I, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. Sua, it's all about greed. These it's people so are incredible debt. They are living a life above their means, right? They take loans. They get whatever. It's all about money, um, and so you see it. They're willing to kill each other for money. You know, to get the prize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All it's greed, right? And so we have to acknowledge that one of the greatest sins in life and one of the things that we are so easy to fall into is greed. Okay. So I mean, one quick note is like it's interesting because I thought about money. I was thinking about money recently because, you know, we recently bought a house, like I've been decorating the house. Um, I was thinking about how I said this to John, my husband John, um, a couple months ago. I was like, you know what's funny is when I was, when we were in New Jersey and I was working at Metro and you were a resident and we were making like Nada. very little compared <laughs> yeah. to what we're making now. Well, yeah, take loans. I mean, um, you couldn't pay for his tuition on with your salary. Well, when you're a resident, you don't take loans because when you're a resident, oh, sorry, you're no, getting paid school, a stipend. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you're, getting, yeah. you're working like no, 100, 100 hour weeks yeah. and you're getting paid like minimum wage. Yeah. Um, but I remember, I was saying to John, like I find it very interesting that Compared to the amount of tithe that we give now, mm -hmm. it's so paltry, the amount of tithe that we were paying. But, 
in terms of the quality of living, yeah. the, right now, our 10% doesn't impact the way we live. No. But back yeah. then, that 10% was a vacation we couldn't go yeah. on. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting because even though the amount is so much more now, yeah. in terms of the actual impact that we were yeah. sacrifi- sacrificing, yeah. if I want to use that yeah. word, was so much greater then. Yeah. But I'm very thankful as you always joke, I put the fun in fundamental. Like I'm very, I'm, I have some legalistic <laughs> tendencies, so yes, it, it would do. be very hard for me to not tie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if my motivation is always pure in yeah. that. I think there is a part of me that maybe feels like I'm going to get punished if I don't. Like there's yeah. definitely some yeah. of that, but yeah. I'm trying to be faithful. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm very thankful that I married somebody who's not a legalist, who's yeah. not fundamental, yeah. but he also never challenged me yeah. or ever went against. Yeah what we believe yeah. together. Like he never had a question of, should we yeah. not tithe this month? Yeah. And instead put it towards our loan payment or whatever. Yeah. It was yeah. always like a given that yeah. 10% yeah. is God's. Yeah. And I have to thank our family, I think for that Absolutely. too, because watching your parents give to the church, wh- whatever their intentions may have been, is yeah. really a discipline that we yeah. inherited also. Like it yeah. was never a question we yeah. had, yeah. you know? And so I'm very thankful for growing I, up I, in a I Christian think, family. I, so let, let me just... Try to balance this out a little bit, also, though, because this is—I've—I've I've I've had this. I've heard these stories mm. from people in our church. I do think we have to see this as grace giving too, and I have heard stories where parents have given their life savings to the church for a building, mm. and the parents and the family just lived in abject poverty as a result <laughs> of it. And like, oh. literally, it's not like they had a lot of money, and they just struggled. And so I, I see this as grace giving. If you're unemployed and you're not making money, God understands when you're not tithing, right? Well, how can you? Tithing, you, you have, have no income right, exactly so god understands that but however if you're doing well and 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 you're doing that you have to give more than 10 percent. like you have to be more generous and so i would inc- encourage you and john to really talk through it and maybe start doing what i did many years ago and just do the one percent increase every year mm-hmm. and start giving more and saying what would it look like if we can give 40 to 50 percent of our salary to the things of god to f- proliferate the gospel all over the world I guarantee you, like with that mindset, God will always give you more in some ways, and He'll bless you, and you guys will continue to be blessed in that way. But yeah, but as as God's blessed you because you know your your husband is an orthopedic surgeon and he's making good money, like yeah, not, think about not other like ways. Oprah, love no, money. but not even but close, still making a lot of money, but a lot yeah. more than we used to. And, right. Um, so I have a couple of like questions for yeah, you go for since it. you're a pastor. Um, hopefully I don't forget them while I'm speaking. But one of them was um. So the first question I have is, what is your perspective on, I mean, you've seen the whole Preachers and Sneakers Instagram handle. It's like, it blew up. And the comment section is always so entertaining for me (laughs) because there's always these like very out of proportion, blown up arguments from people getting angry at each other about one person defending, you know, whoever the pastor is wearing his Louis Vuitton $600 sneaker saying like, if God blessed him, like why can't he mm-hmm. wear them? And then the other person basically being like, no pastor should be glorifying like this, the things of the world. So what is your perspective on that? Because it's very interesting because I so I get very, sometimes I feel very mixed because I read the comments and they're very convincing. Yeah. So I go back and forth between like, yeah, I hear that. Or wait, hold on, no. So is, if you're a pastor, so yeah. what is the, your opinion uh, my, on that? My opinion is this. this. This would be my opinion. This is just an opinion of mine. I wouldn't wear those things, and I think a lot of those people probably get those for free because they have mm-hmm. such they have they're verified on Instagram. Yeah. So for them to wear it, like you know, tens of thousands, maybe millions of people are watching it, 
And so it's free advertisement for whatever those companies are. Mm-hmm. So some of these pastors will get them for free, mm-hmm. right? Because if they put it on their Instagram, then they're promoting the product and things like that. So I think some of them do get it for free, but some of them don't they actually pay. Mm-hmm. If you're paying like $1,000 or $2,000 for shoes, I have a problem with that. I really do. You do. Just because you're a pastor and if you're spending that kind of money on your wardrobe, it's really for you. You can tell a lot where, where how much money controls you by looking at your checkbook or looking at where your money goes out every month. If it's all going to you, that's a problem. And if you're a pastor and your money, and, and especially if you're a pastor who has that kind of means, and you're spending so much of your money just on yourself, that's a major problem. There's, there's something I think really off about that that I think the greatest model pastors could do, especially those who have a lot of money. So that's why I love Rick Warren in some ways because he ties 90% of his salary mm-hmm to the church and he only keeps 10% because he makes millions. He makes a lot, yeah. And so that's the mentality to have. Like, why can't we be the model? And how could we ever expect like somebody like you who has a husband who's a doctor ever entertain an idea like that if we're making good money and we can't give more than a 10%? Like, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we have, like, I think if you're a pastor and you're making good money, like maybe you've written some really good books, you're making good money and you're only giving 10% to the church, I think that's wrong. It's I don't I don't want to say it's a sin, mm-hmm. but it's wrong. You got to keep increasing your giving and bless. You're a pastor. You should want the gospel to go out throughout the world. You should be increasing your giving all the time and get to a higher place. Like my dream, honestly, if if I you know I mean I'm not 50 yet, but I will be in a couple of years. But like you know maybe I'll work till 65, 70. Like I I said to Jenny years ago, I said I would love it if I can give 50% of whatever we make to the things of God. Like I would love it. That would be a great goal because I don't think I'll ever do a 90 tanks. I'm not going to make that kind of money that Warren made. But you talk about a guy who's got money. I don't think he really wears any name brands. That guy, you know, he's still when he made when he got his purpose driven life. But when he wrote that book, he sold forty million copies. Yeah. He got a check from Zondervan <laughs> yeah. in the millions. He's never seen that many zeros ever. And he never bought a new house. He didn't buy a boat. He didn't buy a new car. He still drove his like his old Ford Explorer. He just lived his means and he just gave ninety percent of it away. And to me, that is a great exemplary model of somebody that has been gifted. And and he said this multiple times. He said, "The money that God is giving to me, He's giving it to me because He trusts me with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just use it for myself. I'm going to use it to bless the things of God." And I just think, as a pastor, if you're making good money, like you know, maybe your wife makes good money too. Man, you guys should be very aggressive about giving it away rather than keeping it. Because I think then our parishioners then will follow. So, you know, I would say that. And if you're listening and maybe you have means and you're doing really well, I'm just going to ask you, just look at, your, look at where, you, where your money goes out every month. Is it just for you? Is it just to benefit you, your children, and your family? And, uh, you know, in many ways, God wants, God is giving you that because he wants you to bless the things of God. He wants you to bless the church. He wants you to move the gospel forward. And he's blessed people with finances, not so that they can just raise their standard of living, but he really wants to raise your standard of giving. And that's an important part so that we don't let greed take in, you know, take, take, our, take us to a place where, you know, we're going to end up doing something wrong, bad with it. I would even say, I mean, for today, my, today, my perspective on this today, because it changes all the time, I still find it weird though, even if the pastor received the sneakers for free, it's I still find you, it weird because... They're wearing it? Yeah, because it's communicating to 
his parishioners or her parishioners that it matters that you wear luxury goods. Yeah. And I feel, I'm not saying it's the money necessarily because like, I'm not saying like go throw out these like free shoes that you got. But at the same time, I think we, as leaders, you are modeling a certain kind of priority and lifestyle to your mm. congregation members. And if you're going to wear $600 shoes without disclaiming on stage, like by the way, I got these for free and I just didn't want to throw them out or something like that. I still feel like you're setting a certain example of like yeah. you should care about yeah. these kinds of things and yeah. i feel like it's a bit murkier than just yes. they were sponsored yeah. because your lifestyle like you said your life should be a model for others to yeah. follow and if your pri priorities are luxury goods and again i'm not saying luxury goods are bad necessarily but i think it's a very thin line between like what are we glorifying or prioritizing right. so right. i guess it, it guess becomes okay second question for you i have another question yeah um how do you balance giving and saving for security? Because there, I have heard some extreme, and I think it's yeah. a little bit extreme, but I have heard people tell me things like, you should even have to save money. Like, God has taken care of the sparrows, and God has taken care of the, tomorrow will work. Like, you mm -hmm. should just focus on the today, yeah. the people that are hungry today, the people that are in poverty today. Like, it's actually sinful for you to secure store up all of this money for yeah. your retirement yep. because you should just trust God and have faith. Yeah. What is your opinion on that? Yeah. Well, my opinion is uh, you should probably have about six months of living expenses mm -hmm. taken care of as in your savings. And then I think after that, you should spend, give it a lot away. What about your retirement? Oh, no, you, you always invest in your retirement. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you have okay. a 401k okay. and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you don't think that's... Sinful. No, not at all. No, I think it's fine. I have a 403B, so oh, passes through the 403B. Fancy, it's better than a 401K. Fancy. You know why? You guys get such good benefits. Yeah, I mean, part of it is like, you know, because we don't make a big salary, so at least we could, you know, well, we can get some tax breaks. some of you don't. Yeah, yeah. Some of you guys yeah, do. So, but you know, like, I think, um, I, I do think the retirement stuff is legit. You need to have something when you retire, because oftentimes what I've, I, 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 I grieve the immigrant churches, mm -hmm. when people retire, nothing. they don't have a retirement. There's nothing. They have no money. The church may give them a bag of money. They might have like ten thousand dollars in there. Bag of yeah, that's what some churches do. Bag of money, like a bag of money. So they have like ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars. But how's a pastor going to live the rest of his life on twenty thousand dollars if they have like another fifteen, twenty years left to live life? So I do think the four hundred one k, the bees, all those things, those are important. But there are people who even save on top of that, and you know, so I think you need to save on top of that. You need to have about. I think like what's his name, the the debt guy. What's his name? Oh, God. Is it the guy who's getting a lot of crap right now? Yeah, what's his name? Dave something. Dave Ramsey. Dave, Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. Dave Ramsey says you should have about six months of cost of living saved. You know he's in a, tr a lot of trouble right I know, now. I know. <laughs> no, but his principles on, on getting out of debt is really important because the problem with greed is, listen, I, I will say this if you're listening. If you have a lot of debt mm -hmm. and, that, and you're only paying the minimum because you just have so much debt, you have a greed issue. Mm. You really have a greed problem and uh, you, money has taken a deep control of you because debt is one of the worst things to experience in life and to have. You should have zero debt, right? And so Ramsey teaches some really good things, but he does one thing. He says, you need to have six months of living. Like if you got fired, you should have at least six months of, of cost of living mm. expenses all taken care of. And I think that's a good general thumb. So look at your six months expense. You, that's what you should have saved in the account. Still give to your 401k and all that stuff, you know, some of your stock portfolio and stuff. That's great. But you should also be giving 
a lot away as well. And, you know, I think that's one of the most important things to do as Christians so that we protect ourselves from this. And, I, you know, it's amazing because people don't tithe. You know, a lot of Christians, you know, you know the problem with um, uh, the church is this. Non-believers, they have no issues when the pastors talk about tithing because mm. they'll never tithe. They don't believe it. Yeah. It's the Christians who have the biggest issue with it. The Christians who aren't tithing have the biggest qualms with it because they feel guilty all the yeah. time. Yeah. They're the ones who have the greatest issue with this because they don't tithe. And so it's really important because if you're not tithing and all that stuff, chances are you're probably in a lot of debt. Uh, money, greed has gotten into you. And so if you really want to do battle with greed, with money, the love of money, I really think the first step is you got to start tithing. Dave Ramsey, that's his first point. If you want to get out of debt, the first thing you need to do is you need to start tithing. You know what's really interesting is, I mean, this is a little bit tangential, but it's about money, so maybe it's not. So, um, I when I used to, so the church that I attend now is not the church I started attending when I first moved to Ohio. Okay. This is my second church that I've considered my home church. It's very interesting to me, and I could be wrong about this, but my assessment is this my first the first church i attended was relatively new so when we went it was i think six years old mm -hmm. and by the time we left it was about eight years mm -hmm. old and the church grew three thousand eight hundred wow. to three thousand no it grew from eight hundred to three thousand in three years wow so um it it just blew up yeah. the church just blew up and um I remember one of the reasons why I left the church, even though I was very happy with a lot of things that they were doing and the pastor's preaching was excellent, was because I had brought up a couple of things to the senior pastor yeah. about things I w wish they would address. And it wasn't so much that he said, no, 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 I can't do that. That's not why I, I said to John, like, maybe we should consider leaving. The reason why we left ultimately was because he said to me, I can't please everyone. And I can't pick a team and I don't even know where to draw the line anymore because I get every time I preach on a Sunday, I get all these emails from congregation members saying, why do you talk about this? Why don't you talk about this? Mm. And then I get emails from people saying, why do you talk about this? Yeah. And why did you talk about that? And it's like, Sua, I'm losing my mind here. Like, where yeah. do I draw the line? Like, I can't please everyone. Um, and I remember thinking that's such a like, because so he said to me something and this might be he said to me. For example, Sua, because I had asked him, could you address like white nationalism? Yeah. Because he did, they did not talk about the yeah. Capitol riots. This was right after that. Mm. And he said, well, it's hard to talk about something like that because it's picking a team. And he said, for example, I could never talk about abortion because that's picking a team. Wow. And to me, that was a bit of a red flag. Yeah. Because you should pick a team. You yeah. should pick God's team. And even if people leave because yeah. they're offended, yeah. if you're... Picking God's team, that's part of being a leader and yeah. preaching the Bible. So well, I think for me, and later when I went to the new church and they talk about things all the time, recently they talked about how they did a financial assessment for the, not their partner, their members. They call them members. They talked about how they, their church decreased in size by 30% mm -hmm. in the past two years. From the pandemic, yeah. But a lot of it was also because the pastor was preaching about certain things that the mm -hmm. congregation was very unhappy yep. with, especially about immigration and refugees. People were very upset. So there was a mass exodus of people. Um, but they basically were like, we're not concerned. Yeah. We're not concerned. And I remember saying to John, I'm not saying it's all, yeah. this is very reductionistic of me to yeah. say it's all about the money. Yeah. But the church I go to now yeah. was founded 30 years ago. Yeah. They have no debt. Yeah. The building is bought. Yep. Everything yep, they yep, give yep. is given away. Yep. They have no reason yep. to 
like depend on people's money because there's no debt in the church versus the church I was attending is new. They still are paying for their buildings. They're still paying for all of these new things. And I think it's a very real thing for somebody who's leading a church to think about money because you can't have a church without money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even in that instance, it's like, so in a way it's so much more freeing when you don't have debt because you can still do what you feel like God is calling you to do without feeling that strain of like, People are going to leave and we're going to yeah. lose And I would say that, you know, as a pastor, if you decide not to talk about certain things like that because of finances, um, I think you've lost your authority as a pastor. Hmm. And uh, it sounds like to me that that pastor is probably incredibly burnt out um, and he's a people pleaser. And whenever a pastor is a people pleaser, not listen, you, know, you want people to like you, but And it's hard as a pastor. It's a biblical, you got to take biblical stances. And the reality is you're just not going to be popular anymore. In Mm -hmm. pop culture, it's just not, it's just not going to happen, but you can't shy away from it because if you're shying away from it, then you're, you're, you're nullifying, I believe the Bible and Mm -hmm. you're showing people that the Bible is really not that important Mm -hmm. anymore. And that's the greatest problem. Like, you know, the, the majority of Christians today aren't reading the Bible. They're just not. And I think in many ways, you know, some of the fault is the pastor's. Mm. because we're not taking deeper stances and we're preaching more just feel-good sermons. We're not being very exegetical. And as a result of it, I think it's just, it's creating more of a, an audience, which is great, but we're not helping people get deeper and take a look at their own sins and their darkness and you know, whatever it might be. And as a result, it's sad. And so, yeah, it's, you can grow a big church, all that stuff, but sometimes like, there's a real big danger in that. And I love the church that you're going to now um, that's willing to take those kinds of stands. I just think like, cause that's what we had to do at Metro as well. And, uh, and it was hard. It was never easy. But, uh, but I, just, I just feel like you got to do what God calls you to do, and that's it. And, and God will is, always take care of you. And this is why I always say to John, again, I'm not trying to be like, Pastor Peter is the best. Um, but I do always say to John, like even when we were thinking through that whole decision of leaving, because, yeah. you know, we had been there a few years. We yeah. had contributed a lot. Like yeah. We had really gotten involved. We were trying to get involved and we were really happy there. Yeah. So it was a bit discombobulating for us when I, this happened and then he gave me that response because I wasn't thinking about leaving. I yeah. just wanted him to address it. Yeah. Like I wasn't yeah. emailing to be like, if you don't do this, I'm yeah, going to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when he gave me that answer and a red flag went up and I remember thinking it through with John and I was just like processing it and I said, like he was like, well, you know, he's saying that because their church is growing. Like he can't afford to have all these people leave. But I said to John, I said, I get that, but I worked at a church for five years. I'm not naive to know that financial strains and these logistical things are not real concerns of the church. But I was like, but Pastor Peter at Metro, we took a stance on an issue that was almost unheard of for a church. (laughs) This was right after Trayvon Martin. We talked about racial issues. People are still getting upset about race right now. What was it, 10 years ago? You know, nobody was talking about this. I mean, at least not in the Bergen County, like multi-ethnic slash Asian communities. Nobody was talking about this. And, you know, do I think in retrospect, just gathering from what you said, you did everything perfectly in that situation? No, just from what you told me. But man, like, you were faithful to what God were, was yeah. asking you to speak about. And we lost a ton of congregation members and probably a ton of tithing ton and of money, money. Ton of money. Yes, we did. But you know what? I've seen it happen yeah. and I've seen you be faithful. So it was a non-negotiable for me at that point yeah. to be in a church where it's 10 years later, 
and your church has so many more people. Yeah. And if you can't even tell me that you, you're going to take a stance because you're scared of that, yeah. like that was, I think because of the disip, like dis- discipleship that I received at church and watching you guys do your leadership, it was just a non-negotiable for yeah. me. Like I couldn't yeah. do that, yeah. you know? So that, that's I'm a, very thankful. Well, that's a great thing. But I will say what the beautiful thing about it now, like what I tell people is like back then, I felt like I was the only one doing it. <laughs> you and kind I was of getting, were. <laughs> and I was getting quit. I was getting hit between the legs every day. Oh, like it just, it really was a terrible thing. But now I think like where we are with our staff, I'm just a cheerleader. Mm. They're the ones taking it to another level. They're the ones going deeper. They're the ones that's like, this is a non-negotiable. And I just have to cheerlead them on and spur them on because they're just coming up with some great creative, fresh ideas to how we can continue to talk about issues and talk about racial justice in a way that's important. And I'm just blown away by it. And I'm just like, I'm just clapping them and go for it. You have my support. And I'm not by myself mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. I, we have a team. We have, we have a group of leaders in our church that are saying we're going to move this thing forward. And that's the fruit of this. Like if you're just willing, I think the leader has to take a stand. You're going to get kicked between the legs. You're gonna, it's not going to feel good. But you take that stand even though you lose a lot of money because we lost a lot of money. Yeah. And you have to move forward. But now God will bless the hard work of that and uh because you're taking a biblical stance and you know we still believe it till our bones and we have to move it forward and so it's just it's just uh, interesting how things like that have has has happened but i think at every point i would that had to be something that i had to come to uh sort of like i had a, that was my coming to jesus moment 10 years ago when i had to really ask the question am i going to keep doing this mm. because we might lose everyone in our church and i just said you know what even if it's just two people, I have to keep doing. Like, I have to keep doing. Would I have done some things differently? Absolutely. I've learned some things I would have done differently, but I would have never changed my stance and us preaching about how important God cares about the equality of all of humanity. We're all creating the Imago Day. We need to be treated like we're creating the Imago so Day. And it's so interesting because I feel like it almost is a culmination of all of the things that, like, for example, if you had to do that 10 years before that point, yeah. I don't know, like, could you have done it? Probably because not. It's like you had to go through all of yeah. these different growth and yeah. transformation as a leader to be able to yeah. do that assignment. And it's interesting because you talk about, like in our previous episode, you talk about like being an impo- like the imposter yeah. syndrome or like not imposter syndrome, but being an imposter yeah. and like needing to constantly live up to other people's yeah. expectations yeah. or like needing other people's affirmations yeah. or even like the money thing, yeah. like without having done that challenge or been knowing that God was always faithful and yep. like all of that came together for you to really be able to do what God yeah. called you to do yeah. without really completely losing it. I mean, you yeah. probably lost it a little bit here. <laughs> oh no, I lost it. Yeah. yeah. But like, that's another episode. Yeah. But I mean, think about it. Like think about Peter that you talk about who needed the approval of everybody and yeah. was getting angry, about a little bit of critique standing up there and talking about things that were making people angry left and right to the point where they were leaving us. Yeah. And like, I, I can't even imagine the amount of angry hate mail you got. <laughs> shaming me they were shaming me on these emails because they included like my other pastors on it i'm like how are you shaming me with other people including my other pastors on it but it was tough it was tough but i think this is not that's a ministry level but i think at some point everyone has to be confronted with this you got to make a choice like am i going to take a stand but i think the choice is this am i going to let money compromise the way I want to live the values mm-hmm, of my life. Mm-hmm. And the moment you let money compromise that, you, I, I really think you've sold your soul to the devil in many ways. And so, I think pastors fall into that. I think all of us do in many ways. You know, like some, somebody saying, I'm going to buy a house. I can't afford, but I'm going to buy it anyway. 
and we're just going to go for it because I want to live in this big house for whatever. It would make us happy. I want people to marvel at our house, whatever. I feel like you've, that's, you're making a major compromise. Why are you raising the standard of your living when you don't make that kind of money, right? It just, it just makes no sense. And at some point, I think we have to just say, no. We all have to come to the realization, no, we're going to live within our means. And so for me, like I am not wealthy, but you know what? I am wealthy when I think about it. We're not in poverty. My kids can get what they want and stuff. I can send my kids to school. I think we're living yeah, a good that's life. that's great. But I never, ever sweat very wealthy people. Like I look at their lives, I'm like, I would never sign up for what you have. Yes, you don't ever have to worry about money. There are times I want to I, I want to have that feeling. I wonder what it's like not to have to worry about paying for certain things like mm-hmm. tuition and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Of course, I think about that. But I would never trade my life for their life because for me, it's taken a journey for me to really say, I'm not going to let money determine my happiness or my worth. Money is good as long as we don't fall in love with it. And so I think for me, that's why it's great. I can be friends with you, not be envious, you know, that oh you gosh, live, making it that you live in a like, house, you know, and stuff like that that's cheaper than mine, but much better than mine. Well, yeah, because I live in the middle of <laughs> nowhere know. in Ohio. You could have that life too if you move to Ohio. No, no, I don't want to have that life. I just want to come and visit and, and, and hang out in your six acres. That's what I, I, mean, I want to do. literally, Ohio, there's like <laughs> nothing there. And I keep telling people like, oh man. If you could have this too, if you wanted to move in the middle of nowhere. Columbus, Ohio. No, so, but anyway, but I, I do think like at some point for all of you who are listening right now, you got to ask yourself, like, what are you doing with your money? Um, is it just for you? Is it just to pay for your expenses and all that stuff? Uh, listen, it's different if you're in, you know, you're not making a lot of money and you're living above your means. I, I just really think there's, there's things. There are people who are good with money that you can get mentoring and advice from. You need that. But if you're constantly running debt, uh, living way above your means, you know, buying things you shouldn't be buying, all that stuff. I think money has a much deeper grip on you than you really give credit for, and you need some help. And one of the first places I want to encourage you is be generous. Start with that. Let that be your first thing. And then I would really encourage you to meet with somebody, especially if you're at Metro, you can email me. I can connect you with some of our folks at our church that could really help you manage your money so you can get out of debt because you got to get out of debt. You cannot be in debt. If, you're, if you continue to be in debt, it's going to ruin you in the end. So that's going to be important. You got to become debt free. There's good debt. A home debt is good. You know, car debt is good. But if you have like three cars and you're in good debt with all three cars, you don't make that kind of money. <laughs> that's not good. But there's some decent debt. But, you know, if you have a ton of credit card debt, I think that's wrong. So anyway, yeah. Anything you want to wrap up before we close? No, it's such a broad topic. Broad um, topic. Tried to hit what we could. But if you have any questions, any and feedback. we would love to explore more. Yeah, I mean, even if you us. disagree with us, feel free, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you just go to weekpastor.org. You can email us on there. We'd love to hear your thoughts, anything else. And uh, just thank you for listening. And please feel free to share this with your friends on your social media. Let give people know. Give us a review. Come on, give us a review. This would be great. And if I get a thousand reviews, oh gosh. I will find that letter. <laughs> that letter that I wrote to that guy who I cursed. <laughs> I will figure it out. I will find it. And Sue will read it. I, I will read I it in a, read my it. best angry PP voice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Tune in again next week. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.